Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I'm looking forward to this month on favour. And uh, this morning I'm going to be speaking on God's not doing you a favour. He's giving you His favour. Tonight I'm speaking on why me? What is it about your life that draws the favour of God? Next couple of weeks, uh, here's some of the things that we're going to be covering. Running in your own lane. The favour of God is not on the person next door to you or down the way. It's on you running in your own lane. Here's another one, living with contradiction in your life. But let's get right into it this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You today. All of us, we want more of You in our world, in our life. We want to see more of Your hand at work in us. We want to know Your voice. We want to be led by You. And Father, we just right now bring our heart and mind right before Your Word and let You speak to us in Jesus' Name. Thank You for speaking to us about all of our life, our family life, our business life, our mental life, our emotional life, every part, our ministry life. God, we give You all the glory in Jesus' Name. Amen and Amen. Let's go to Genesis 39, just three verses. Genesis 39 verse 20. It says this great story. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. We're speaking about the favour of God. Here's a couple of things you need to know as basics right at the start. Number one is that God puts His favour on people. It's not on methods or on programs of any kind. God's favour is on someone. You remember the story of the angel coming to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the angel declares to her, you are highly favoured, a young woman. And we can go right through the Scripture and find person after person that the favour of God was on. I believe that the favour of God is on His people. Jesus said, if you'll honour me, I'll honour you. His favour comes on your life. And so I believe that for every single one of us that's a follower of Christ, it's not on some organisation or some program or this method. You don't have to go out copying that person. I'm going to cover that in that message on running in your own lane because God's got His favour on you, not on the you that you think you ought to be if you were like that other person. I saw in the paper today some famous scientist, I think it is, uh, apparently who said she got addicted to social media and the comparisons that come with that. I guess many of us realise that whilst comparisons are part of human nature, it's never been so in our face as it is today. But I want you to know God's favour is not on the you that you're going to be. It's not on the you that you ought to be. God's favour is not even on the you that you could be. 
God's favour is on the you that you are. God's favour comes on you when you give your life to Christ, when you invite Jesus into your life. God's favour is on you. Why? Because you are His child. You don't become, listen, I've got a 30, what is he? 32 year old son, is that all he is? I'd have to think it out. I think that's how old he is. But can I tell you that though he's been my son for 32 years, he's not more my son now than he was when he was born. He's been my son when he could do nothing. That's why the Scripture says that Jesus water baptism. You know, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And He hasn't done anything yet. No miracles have taken place. No preachings happened. But the favour of God was on Him because He was God's Son. And I want you to understand right at the beginning of this series on favour, because some of you are going to go, well, I'd like that. I wish I had that. I believe that the favour of God is on you if you and I are followers of Christ, then God's favour is on us regardless of what appearances look like. Here's the second thing we need to know. God's favour doesn't make a life easy. It makes a great life possible. God's favour doesn't make a life easy. It makes a great life possible. For Joseph, this has got to be the most difficult time of his life. I imagine that when he got sold into slavery, that was a dark day. I imagine that when, you know, along come Potiphar or one of his foremen, we don't know which, and picks this guy out, he must have thought, well, at least I'm going to a good big home. And when he got promoted in Potiphar's house up to becoming the head of the entire household, he must have thought, well, uh, finally my life's going in the right direction. But we all know what happens after that. Potiphar's wife accuses him of sexual assault and he gets chucked into jail, no trial. And by the way, no sentence. There's no kind of like, well, you're in here for a month, six months or a year and with good behaviour, you get out. He could be there for the rest of his life and rot and no one would care. And so this has got to be the most difficult time of his entire life. Gone from absolutely the pits to, to the Potiphar's house, then to the prison. He's gone from being promoted to now losing the entire thing. Any hope he might have had for most people would have been extinguished. But here's the deal. Your circumstances of life do not mean that the favour of God is with you or not with you. Whatever you're in right now, doesn't mean if you're in a difficult place today, it doesn't mean that God's left you and lifted His favour off your life. If you're in a great place now, it's not because God likes you more because of something you just did or didn't do. The favour of God is not connected to my circumstance. He's in a a very distressing place. And yet the Bible says, we read it, that God's favour was on him. And I don't know about the rest of you here, but I kind of get a little bit excited about that, that knowing that God's favour is on me, His smile is towards me. The Scripture says I'm the apple of His eye, not because I give Him the pip either. I'm the apple of His eye. I'm the apple. You know, I don't know ever, there's ever been a day where I wasn't proud of my children, where I didn't love them. Now there's been some days when I didn't like things they did. But I never, I cannot remember a moment that I ever thought to my heart, I wish you'd never been born. I just look at them, you know, I laugh. Now I've got grandkids. I kind of laugh when they play up a bit. 
You know, Judah, she's just a little bundle of energy. And I don't think, I say to Rhonda, she's not naughty. And Rhonda says, oh, yeah, she is. I said, no, I don't think she really is. I said, she's just got so much energy and she just doesn't know where to put it. You know, and so she came to me while I was away. I should have given you the photos. I might bring them next week. You know, and uh, she said, Granddad, would you like your hair done? I said, sure I would. And so she got my hair and made little pigtails. Well, I think I ended up looking like a landmine or one of those, no, one of those sea mines, you know, the ones with all the spikes on them. I, I had about eight of those all over my head and she'd done all this with her little lackeys and turned Granddad into a, into a hairdressing masterpiece. And then this was the culmination of the whole thing. She looked at me and she said, Granddad, you look silly. <laughs> I said, well, you did it. But you know what? I don't think there's ever been a moment where I wished I never had them, my kids and my grandkids. And I believe that if that's the way I feel, can you honestly tell me that the Heavenly Father who gave His only begotten Son for you, that He thinks less of you than I would of my earthly kids? I'm telling you today, the favour of God is on you. No matter what's happening in your world right now, whether it's good or bad, whether it's the worst or the best, the favour of God is over your life. The Lord was with him and he's a jailbird. Huh? Some of you think, oh, God's left me because look what's happening. Look how God obviously is taking His hand, the blessing off my life. Look how what's going on. It's obvious that God's forgotten the prophetic word. I must have stepped across the line. I must have somehow rather offended God. He's, he's left me. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Here's the third basic thing we need to know is that God's favour is always connected to His purpose. It's never just about you and never ever was. God's got a great plan for your life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope, the Scripture says. So I know absolutely that God's got something great in store for your life. But here's the deal. It doesn't always come with clarity. I want to talk about this for a minute because I grew up in a time in the church where I can remember I used to pray and say, oh God, God, you have to talk to me because you're talking to everybody else at church. I was only a new Christian. People would come up and say, the Lord told me to go here. And I went, wow, the Lord tells me where to go. I just got up and went to work. You know, and the Lord told them to buy this. I thought, oh God, I just bought it if I had the money. And I wanted it. You know, and the Lord told them, she's the one. And I just thought any one of them could have been the one. <laughs> but darling, you were the one. I'm just, I'm just looking right down the camera. Rhonda used to tell everyone I married her for her furniture. Because she had some and I had none. She had a green table and a green chair. I think a green bed. Single bed. But anyway, whatever. I listen to all these people talk about how God spoke. And I used to go, God. And I honestly used to pray and say, oh God, I must be deaf. Spiritually deaf. Oh God, open my ears. I can't hear anything. 
And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm making a stupid face. But I'd be there trying to, and I wondered what was the matter with me. So let's talk about clarity for a minute. Genesis 45 verse 5. Now remember, we started at 39, he's in jail. Six chapters later, and many years later. Verse 5 of Genesis 45. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. He's talking to his brothers who finally showed up. For God sent me before you to preserve life. After all the journey of being hated by his brothers, cast into the pit, planning to kill him, at the last minute decide, no, we'll sell him as a slave. That's a much better plan. Sell him as a slave, bought by the Ishmaelites, carried off to Egypt, put up on the slave block, bought by Potiphar, rises to prominence. Potiphar's wife, you know, tries to get a hold of him, seduce him. And he goes, no, I'm not going to do that. She accused him, he's cast into jail. He, he absolutely, you know, does, promotes there again, works well, serves well, gets promoted there, interprets the dream of the king's baker and the king's cupbearer. And it says this, but the king's cupbearer, when he was restored back to Pharaoh, forgot him. So there's another two years languishing in a jail, going, what was that all about? Finally, Pharaoh has the dream of the of the cattle and the and uh, the eating up and the famine that's coming and all the rest of that. They call for Joseph because finally the king's cupbearer goes, oh yeah, I remember this guy. He was a Hebrew in jail. He was my cellmate and I remember him. He says, go get him. And they go and get Pharaoh. And they, uh, sorry, go and get Pharaoh. They go and get Joseph and bring him out. And he rises to become the prime minister of this entire nation, still not knowing whether his father's even alive or not. That's a long, long, long way to not have clarity in your life. He doesn't know. Sold into slavery and he didn't know why. But God's favour was on him despite his lack of clarity about his life. He's wrongfully thrown into prison and he didn't know why. But God's favour was on him. It says it twice about him. But the Lord was with him and he was a successful man. And I want to say this to all of you in case one of you here today is like I was when I first gave my life to Christ and I'm listening to all these people talk and I began to think, well, how come I don't know? Don't worry if you're not bursting with clarity of purpose and sizzling with insight. Don't worry about it if there's a whole bunch of stuff here today that you go, I haven't got a clue. What's God called me to do? Don't know. Where am I going to, what's my next season of life? Don't know. How's this circumstance or situation going to work out? Not sure. Don't worry about it and feel like there's something wrong with you. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, young man out of Israel, but they never knew that they were going to become rulers in Babylon where they had been also taken as slaves. They had no idea how it was going to work out. Matter of fact, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they refused to bow down to the great image of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, when they refused to bow down to that, they said, O King, let it be known unto you that our God is able. But if He doesn't, we still won't bow down. In other words, they walked into the fiery furnace saying, we're not really sure we're walking out. We don't know how this is going to end up and that's okay with us. Come on. Because otherwise you fall into the trap because you don't know. You think God obviously 
Well, he's not telling you because he doesn't just love you anymore. Or something silly like that. The truth is, with God's favour, your most difficult season just ends up setting you up for your destiny. That's what happened with Joseph. His most difficult time, I've talked about this in the past, but I'll just mention it briefly because he specifically says he gets put in the king's prison where the king's prisoners were kept. Out of all the jails and all the places, they could have just killed him. But out of all the places he could have gone, God took him to the place where it was his stepping stone to the throne of the most powerful man of the world at that time. So don't despise, listen to me, don't despise your lack of clarity. There'd be lots of you here. Maybe your business, you're going, oh my God. Well, that's a good thing to pray. Oh my God. But maybe it's your family. Maybe you trouble over something. You're going, like, what am I supposed to be doing here? What's happening here? Don't allow a lack of clarity to give a wrong meaning to your future. In Psalm 23, we read this, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I was thinking about this week, that verse this week, and I thought, I wonder how many chairs are around the table. Because I wonder how many people get into the valley of the shadow of death and don't keep going through the valley to the table, but go, I remember back when I had still waters, I'm out of here. And go for reverse gear. And I wondered how many people are taking, partaking of the feast of the table spread before them because they just won't quit and they just keep on going. And they keep on pressing on saying, there's a table somewhere up ahead for my life. There's a table ahead for me. A table in Scripture is always associated with blessing, with mercy and with victory. We talk about the the table of the Lord. Blessing, mercy, victory for your life. You sit at a table. That's why when David wants to bless the family of Saul and goes and finds Mephibosheth, he says, you will sit at my table. Why? Because it was about blessing and it was about mercy and it was about victory in his life. I'm going to take care of your enemies. You don't need to fight for yourself. You are going to be one of mine. You sit at my table. And I want every one of us here to have the cry in our heart, I'm heading for the table. Doesn't matter where I am right now, I'm heading for the table. There's a table up ahead for me and I intend to find it. I intend to make my way. So if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death right now, look out, there's a table up ahead and I've got a seat waiting for me. There's a a place card with my name on it. I'm going to sit there and enjoy the blessing and the mercy and the victory of God for my life in Jesus' name. Because His favour is on me, whether I'm at the, the place of peace and quiet or whether I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm just the same and the favour's the same. The favour's on me just the same, regardless of what it looks like around about in my life. Amen. 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 What do you do before the table though? What do you do while you're still in that space where maybe you don't have clarity? And come on, let's be honest here. I don't know about it. Well, I'm not sure about all of you, but I can tell you for me, sometimes I've got clarity on the things that are the least important. 
and zero clarity on the things that matter most. Do I get a witness in the building here? You know what I mean? You know, some of you just go like, yeah, that's great. But what about that? And, you know, but what about that? Yeah, but God, what about that? And we, we look into our life. What do you do when there isn't the clarity there? You say, the favour's on me. But favour doesn't mean I sit down and do nothing. Favour doesn't mean I just kind of have Doris Day doctrine. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. And everybody under 50 has no idea what that song is. Que sera, when I was just a little girl. Boy. I heard my mother. Is that the worker? Say, oh, no, my, yeah. Well, I be, oh, do you know it, Nikki? Get out. A young thing like you. Is there a ballet called Kesara? Yeah, how do you know that song? I did a dance for when I was a little girl. No. What did the dance look like? Come on out here a little minute and chat to I'm not going to get her to. Come on. You, you're not going to dance. I know. You, you, she's dancing Giselle. Uh, later in the week, I believe, but 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 let me just ask you because I've never heard it. There's a dance for Kesara. Oh, it was a little dance I did in a Stedford, and I had a little basket, and it was filled with teddy bears, and then I'd take them out and put them back in again. I was about six. <laughs> did you have to sing the song? No, and I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you, almost, Mrs. Johnson. The favour of God doesn't mean I just sit down and do nothing. Here's five things, just really fast. Five things that I think are so simple. And yet, I don't know about you, I need to know these. Number one, he served faithfully. He had every reason to go forget about it and become bitter, to become upset, to become disinterested, but he didn't do that. I'm going to read you one verse out of three different versions. This is Proverbs 12:24 out of the New King James. It says this, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy person, the lazy man, will be put to forced labour. This is the same verse, New Living. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. You'd think that Joseph must have known that verse. Work hard and become a leader. Rise up. Be lazy and stay the slave that you are. Listen to it in the message. The diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by work. Let me ask you right now in your workplace or in your ministry, are you finding freedom in what you're doing or are you oppressed by it? Do you go to work tomorrow morning going, I hate this job, hate the boss, hate the job, hate everything about it? Why don't you decide today, while I'm waiting for the favour of God to lift me out of where I am into the thing I've always dreamed of, how about I become the best employee in the entire business? Instead of turning up going, oh God, it's Monday again. I've got Monday orders. Did Australians invent Monday orders, by the way? I think we probably did. We certainly, we must have invented the term. 
all these we, you know, meet an Aussie who goes, I love my job. And we're all going like, whoa, really? When was the last time someone told you that? You know, come on, think about it a minute. Serve faithfully wherever you are. Amen. Serve faithfully. Here's number two. He endured patiently. He served faithfully and he endured patiently. Favour is always better recognised looking back than looking around. You listen to me. You can't, if you'd been Joseph and looked around, you'd see no favour. You're in a jail and it wasn't a nice one and there was no cable and there's no TV and there's no exercise yard. There's just slop and fighting the cockroaches for your food. It wasn't a pleasant place. And so here is this guy in this bad space. If you looked around, you can't see favour, but I'm telling you, looking back, Joseph says it was God. Come on, some of you here today, right now you're looking around. Stop looking around. Just start getting ready that you're going to be able to look back and say, I see the favour of God was on me. I thought He left me. I wondered what was going on. But God was with me in the midst of all of that. I wish I had the time this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 is one of the most uh, astounding verses of the entire Bible. It says this, let me read it to you. It won't be up on the screen. I was just thinking about it this morning. It says this, The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The first fruits. The Holy Spirit is the pledge and foretaste. The down payment on our heritage or our inheritance. I read that and I go, you have got to be kidding me. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. Are you getting this? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who's with me and in me, as Jesus said, and fills me and guides me and teaches me and trains me and strengthens me. The Holy Spirit that does all that without which you cannot function as a Christian and you certainly can't live out this Scripture. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. And I'm going, whoa, if this is the down payment, what's the full sale look like? Are you with me? If that's the down payment, what are we headed for? It's something pretty incredible. He endured patiently. Keep your inner vision strong, regardless of the outer picture. Here's number three. He waited expectantly. He's expecting God to help. Others probably would have ignored through their disappointment or their bitterness two new prisoners, the king's cupbearer and the baker. But Joseph, listen, Joseph's looking for the people God is going to send to get him out. So when they rock up and he hears about their dreams, he doesn't go, none of my business, not my problem, not my backyard. Who gives a rip? Your problem. You got yourself in it. You probably deserved it. So what? He doesn't do any of that. He's looking expectantly going, who's the guy? Who's the person that's going to help get me out of here? And so he does that. Your expectations are what opens your eyes. Remember that. Whatever you're expecting is what your eyes open up to. If your expectations of life are pain and sorrow, that will open your eyes for it and you'll find it everywhere. You'll read the paper, listen to the news, get it on your, your download or whatever, and you'll be going, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, man, the world's just a mess. God, what's the matter? Oh, God, 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 the world's terrible. Oh, God. Or else you can have an expectation 
that God says in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and on your handmaidens and your manservants will I pour out my spirit, says the Lord. You can have the expectation, God says in the last days, His glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And whatever I'm expecting is what my eyes will be opened up to. He waited expectantly. Fourthly, he remained ready. When Pharaoh sends it down, they don't have to wake him up. When Pharaoh says, go get the guy, he's not going, oh man, I haven't prayed for six months. Haven't honoured God. Oh, oh God, please, if you just help me out this once. Oh God, promise, I promise I'll never do it again. He remained ready. You know the story of Matthew 25, the five wise bridesmaids and the five foolish ones. Five of them were wiser. And the only reason they're called wise is because they were ready. Think about that. They weren't wise because they had all the answers. They weren't wise because they're going, oh, wow. 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 Because they dripped with anointing. Signs and wonders when God moves. Move, oh Lord. It wasn't because they were so spiritual. It's because they were ready. Are you ready for what God wants to do? If God brings your answer today, are you ready for it? Come on, are you with me here? Hello. Uh, If God brings it today, are you ready? Or are you going, oh, yeah, well. Number five, last one. He served faithfully. He endured patiently. He waited expectantly. He remained ready. I think this fifth one's probably the one that because God knows everything in advance. I think the fifth one's the one that ties it all together. He succeeded humbly. What do you do when you get promoted? Do you see it as an opportunity to lift others up or are you just going, gee, I'm glad I left that behind? Sucks to be you in jail. Huh? He lifted others up. He never used his success to go, well, obviously I've got it. I think you can tell people's greatness by how they treat people that are lower down the rung, not higher up the rung. Amen. He succeeded humbly. He knew that his favour had a divine purpose in his life. I believe the favour of God's on you. I asked the team to sing that song this morning and they're going to come back out now, please. And we're going to sing it again, that song, How Deep the Father's Love. We sang it last Sunday on Honor Men Day and uh, morning and night, beautifully sung by the teams that sung it. But I was so struck by the power of the words. I think it's the third verse. It says, why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. And I look at it all and I go, there's the grace of God. His favour's not on me because I deserve it. His favour's not on me because I earned it. His favour's not off me because I'm going through a difficult time. His favour hasn't left me because I'm in a challenging place right now. Are you with me this morning? I want you to go out of here, going into whatever you're going to go into this week. And I want you to go out going, the favour of God's on me. Listen to everybody tell you all the stuff that's going on, but let there be another voice inside of you saying that the favour of God's on me. The Lord is with Joseph and he was a successful man. 
the favour of God is on you, this much I know. All the forces of darkness cannot keep you in a place of confinement, in a place of lack. All the forces of darkness can't keep you disconnected from the people that love you and that you love. Because those were the things that happened to Joseph. Lost his family. Lost his provision. Lost his authority. But the favour of God was on him and he got set all back in spades. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Maybe we'll just listen to the team sing the first verse. We'll join in after that. Just sit and listen for a minute. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. Why should Come on, let's all stand together and sing it, shall we? Just honour God. I want you to, come on, I want you to receive this morning. Right where you are. I don't know you all, some of you here, you're in the highest of heights. You just got that promotion. The contract just got signed. The kids are going great. That relationship you started looks better than ever. And that's awesome. But there'd be other people that are here and your story's the opposite side to that. You're looking around going, well, I don't see the favour, but don't look around for it. Look ahead to the table. I'm headed for the table. I'm headed for the table. There's a table up ahead for me. I'm headed for that. I cannot give you the answer why God's love should be so great. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds are paid. My ransom. Come on, let's sing it. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He should give His only Son. To make a rich His
Father, I pray for every person that's here right now who carries a level of concern or even confusion, maybe even stronger than that, maybe anxiety or fear of what might go down, further down the road. I pray God that each one of us will take out of here today the knowledge that we are your children. We are chosen. We didn't stumble into faith. You chose us into it. Was it even just our decision, our yes? You were behind the scenes changing everything to get us to the point of yes. So we're grateful for that. And Father, I pray that each one of us will go out of here knowing I'm His child and His favour is on me. Wherever I am right now is not the end of the story. If it's the valley of the shadow of death, there's a table up ahead. I'm headed for the table. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' Name. I'm sure there'd be people here today there is in every service. You say to me, Jeff, I don't really know God. Gee, I wish I did. I think that's in every human heart, by the way. I've lived a long while and talked to a lot of people and I've spoken to people who when you first talked about God, they scoff or they push you away. And I've had them come back to me after a while and go, some have actually said to me, I wish I had faith like yours. I wish I knew God. And then you start telling them how that, it's not because we're born with it. Most people in this church were not born in Christian families. They weren't raised with a vibrant kind of faith. They found Christ and Christ found them. And they said yes to Him, as simple as that is. I, I will never, ever get past the simplicity that a yes changes eternities. I'll never get past it. I just still get flabbergasted by it. I've seen lives change because someone said yes. People who were against God and they said yes and their life changed. You can do that this morning. Every head bowed for a minute, every eye closed. I don't know why you should gain from His reward, but I know you can. I'd love to pray for you in this service and then let me talk to you about saying yes and how to do that. But just for right now, all I want you to do is to say, I'm saying yes to Christ. Just so I know I'm praying for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is not some kind of a thing. It's simply me asking you face to face, one on one. Would you say yes to Christ? If you're watching this on the podcast or on the video, the YouTube channel, you can say yes where you are. You don't need to have musicians in a choir. That's beautiful, but you don't need that. You can say yes where you are. If you're listening to this in your car, in the podcast, or sitting at your studio or in your study, you can say yes to Christ where you are. It's as simple as that. Just so I know I'm praying for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and then put it back down again? I'd love to pray for you right wherever you are. People do it at every service. People say yes to Christ. Say, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Every week there are people saying yes via the yes text. It's such a great thing, such a magnificent thing. A simple yes opens the door. Is anybody like that right where you are? Just slip your hand up because I would love to see it and pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. 
Then look this way a minute because the yes text, I, we started this because we understood that for a lot of people, they want to think and make a decision that's considered. So we came up with this, runs out of our church. It's not some program we bought from overseas and you know, your data goes, who knows where, it's just us. But it's 0488826392 or if you're watching and you're outside of Australia, it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. You don't need to do both, by the way. It's, you can do either one. And then the next morning at 7 a.m. our time, you'll get a scripture. You'll get a prayer to pray that gets you started on walking with God, a relationship with God, because that's what it is. Father, I pray for every person that's going to say yes via text or via that website address. Pray, God, for those people. I don't know their names, but you know their names. I don't know their background, but you know their background. And I thank your Holy Spirit that you're going to reach them and you're going to teach them. And then you're going to release them into everything you have for them in Jesus' name.